0: Imperium Empires is an upcoming NFT game that is going to be an RTS MMO in space. Just like I was, you may be unfamiliar with this project, but in this episode, I got to sit down with Cliff, the founder and CEO, to ask questions about Imperium Empires. Hopefully this interview provides you with great insight of what's ahead for this play to earn game. Well, welcome Cliff to the Balthazar interview here. Appreciate you taking the time and you are part of the project Imperium Empires, which I'm guessing... Probably not a ton of people have heard about yet, so why don't you just kick us off here today? Tell us a little bit who you are, what is your project about, and what is your role on the team? Sure, sure. hey, look, uh, thanks for having
1: me. So yeah, just a quick intro about myself first. I'm the founder and CEO of Imperium Empires. So yeah, Imperium Empires is actually a MMORPG game, um, meaning that basically every player can have their own spaceship. And then um, they have these uh, ethnic space battles with one another in a guild format as well. Um, Because some of our game design actually is modeled after a very popular space MMO title called EVE Online. And we actually had this um, idea, came up with this whole idea back in mid 2021. Because at that time, um, I have been a long term gamer myself, and seeing how blockchain interacts with games, we think that this is going to be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Because we know that the long-term potential of integrating Web3 with games um, solve one of the biggest main points in games, which is that the players, they spend so much time and money grinding for the asset that they want. But at the end of the day, all those profits actually got taken by the game developers. And at that time, when we came up with the idea of the empires, we saw that most of the Web3 games out there they basically just click to earn DeFi farming pools. So we know that in order for the game five uh, market to really kind of develop to the next phase, there really needs to be a fun game, like real game developers developing a fun game that attracts not only the kind of real farmers in the DeFi world, but also real players that enjoy playing the game and attach to the games. So that um it's going to be much more long-term sustainable because you look at a lot of those uh, clicks to earn games they will uh, later go up in less than three months. So that's why we built a very experienced game development team and then to put that idea into action.
0: Yeah, I love that story. I mean, I, I definitely agree with you there as a gamer that's played for many years, many hours. It's really a bummer when you look back at all that time, and you say, well all that time, all those hours that I put in it or money I put into it, I can't take anything back out. Right. And so that's, that's the appeal, right. Of these NFT games. And I I definitely agree with your take that there's just not a ton of fun ones out there. There's maybe a few you can point to right now, but I I really hope that games like appearing empires and other ones that we've been interviewing can really come out and, Really bring up the, the level of these games, right? So I'm kind of he- curious from your end, is Imperial Empires, is this going to be a triple A game? Is this gonna be an indie game? What's kind of the level here that you guys are looking at as a team?
1: Yeah, so definitely we aim to build the highest quality uh as much as possible. Because uh, if you look at some of our NFTs that we have sold, so you uh, in our Genesis collection, we sold four stations and then we have a lot more in the pipeline. All those stations we actually have, uh, we designed it ourselves. We have a full art team that do all the assets from um, sketches and so these very nice looking 3D models. So we have a huge art team that all of our content do all the content, all of our content are original. Uh, because we know that um, in order for the players to attach value to these NFT assets, it just can't be something that you can just buy all the Unity assets for and all those things, which I know that a lot of our games do. So, we put in a lot of hard work to make sure that uh, we can produce uh, really quality titles for
0: players to attach and, and whatever. Yeah. Well, so what kind of gamer are you guys looking at? Because I know you mentioned a little bit earlier it's an RTS, MMO. Is, is there certain types of games that you'd point to and say, hey, it's kind of inspired by this, or this type of gamer will you know, really like this game that we're building here?
1: Yeah, exactly. We actually targeting the type of players. Because we have a very unique concept, uh, called Team to Earn, where you're actually talking players that want to play with other players, uh, perform a guild. And then, um, they actually, all the, all of our game plans actually revolve around guilds. So players, um, they're going to form a team with other players. And then, uh, the game is going to be like, there are these different land that we play. So we're going to have these seasonal tournaments where the players, they actually, um, for example, we have like a 30 days, and each field, an objective in the game, is actually to occupy as much uh, as many of these uh, land sectors as possible. So uh, for example, the more lucrative and resource-rich sector, there's gonna be more fields and players competing for that. So uh, that time the different players actually they'll play a different roles uh, in terms of fighting with other fields. So for example. Um, they can be the cheaper, the faster spaceships. They can be uh, the role of being a scout, and then just uh, going to these different sectors and seeing that which one has strategic value, and then um, which one is also worth attacking as well. So um, the larger spaceship, more expensive ones, they're going to be the main firepower in terms of fighting the war with other groups So every player um, is kind of have a different role. Um, that really makes a very vibrant um, economy um, when they're like trading with others in terms of what station to use, as well as um, having that strategic mindset and thinking that each player that should want to deal with. So every deal, they're going to have a um, different, uh, vibrant set of different players uh, that taking different moments.
0: Yeah. So do you see this as being? You know, the, the game going to facilitate some of the guild part of that? Is each player going to have to find or design their own guild? How is that all going to work?
1: Yeah, we actually are going to have a guild registration and management system where uh, if you want to start a guild, if you're a guild leader, uh, you can just uh, do it through like link things, And then um, you can basically do, you, know, you can just, because uh, other, other players will be able to see, which guild is actually recruiting and then you can also gonna specify what kind of players that you're looking for. For example, uh, in your guild you already have like a few players that are really have a house, but you're actually looking for players who want to mine more resources for you, uh, upgrade your base or so, then you can kind of specify your requirements, what kind of guild members that you're looking for. So yeah, we will have a system that ascertain how players form as well as join. Uh, forming guilds and joining guilds.
0: That sounds awesome. I don't know if you've ever played PlanetSide, but that was one of my childhood games growing up. And I know it's a little bit different than RTS because it's a shooter, but it, I'm picturing that kind of style where you you know, you know select your team, or in this case, you select your guild. And then back in those days, you could be you know the hacker, you could be the pilot, and all of us are coordinating together. Maybe even if we don't know each other, right, is that we're still working to one, one goal all together as one team and one unit. And in this case, now earning more because we're doing so, right? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I love it. That's, that's really exciting. Uh, How about the NFTs of this world? So I'm kind of curious, you know, as I interview these games, what's the purpose for you guys creating an NFT game uh, versus a non-NFT game, especially with this, you know, RTS style, how does that fit specifically within the genre? Because I think for some people, it's really easy to think of, oh, okay, in a shooter like Fortnite or whatever, you know, I can get skins as an NFT. Or in an MMO, I can trade my resources and the epic sword that I drop. So that, that makes sense. So how does these NFTs fit within an RTS?
1: Yeah, I think uh, the main reason that we're doing that NFT game is actually, as I mentioned before, we really want to return the ownership of the asset to the player. Because especially that we see um, MMO games, like, whether that, Sites like EVE Online or other titles, um, you can see that a lot of the MMO game players, they actually put in um, tens of thousands of dollars into the game, or they actually put in thousands of hours grinding for the like, spaceship or swords or heroes that they really don't, um, want to get that sword, putting that time and money required. But at the end of the day, they really got a lot of being able to own the SMR, being able to transfer the SMR. So, the primary goal uh, is essentially for us to return the ownership of the assets to the player. But um, of course, as an RTS title, a lot of the, because we also think from the perspective that uh, if whenever any kind of Web3 games involve NFTs, a lot of the complaints are going be about, oh, this can be something like a to like win games. So, the whales are going to buy all the expensive, most expensive NFTs and then they're going to dominate everyone in the game so it's not going to be fun anymore but i think in the context of an rtf game as well as a pure or team-based RT game there is actually a lot of grand strategies that uh each team needs to think about uh in terms of just uh, winning the toilet. so even if you have the most powerful patient in the unit um, it's actually going to be balanced out by the Different roles that each station is going to play. So, say, for example, we have an expensive station, but it's going to be a lot slower than the faster station. So, does that mean that uh, you can just occupy every piece of land sectors in the universe? It's probably not going to be the case because, like, uh, if you have like hundreds of so like, faster stations, you can actually get to other sectors faster than the more expensive or slower ones because they Mainly serve the purpose of the firepower rather than scouts. So there just needs to be a lot of thinking behind the stretch rather than just finding out everything the most massive one and dominating it. So I think the concept of using NFTs, but at the same time, more being a a play to win game actually fits very well um, in the context of an NLR
0: Yeah, that sounds awesome. And it sounds like it could really fit for this genre. And maybe this is an ignorant question on my end because I haven't played an MMO RTS before. But I'm curious, how how does the whole game work if it's an RTS, but it's, you know, multi, you know, massive online and it's always going? Does that mean I need to play 24-7 to really get the value out of my assets and help my guild win? You know, am I going to be hurting my team and my guild if I'm not playing a ton? Or is there some way to balance that in the game?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question. We actually thought about um, that game, that question about game design, perspective you very careful as well. So that's why we actually have uh, two different set of games that you can really play in the Imperium Vampire series. So we actually have a um, game that is web and mobile friendly, more focused on the side of resource gathering and mining. So in that web and mobile game, what we do is basically um, kind of more the PVE side and not really joining you, participating in this space battle. Probably there. it's going to take much more time you want to do on the PVE side. So we know that there are basically players out there who really look for the kind of more idle gaming experience. Maybe they want to spend 15 or 30 minutes every day playing the game. Um, it's not like every day they have four hours or eight hours there. So that's why, um, we actually going to have a web or mobile game that focus on that resource mining perspective uh, for those players so kind of mine the resources required to upgrade um, every spaceship or the space of the player and then um, they can either use it themselves or just contribute that to the seller to the guild members. Um, but at the same time they can also um, kind of enjoy that the pve of not every player is going to kind of Either competitive players that always want like on-play and attack on the pitch, right? So, yeah, we do have some other game modes that tailor to um, those kind of non-competitive games. But as for the competitive gamers, they're going to be much more uh, focused on the PvP, like uh, our PC and Mac build because that's going to be the main mode where the battles and then uh, kind of these land sectors of the base are going to happen in the PC.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So you get the both aspects of, hey, if you want to be a little more casual or if maybe you're just someone that's really busy and don't have a ton of time, you can still contribute to your guild. It's not like you're sitting on the sidelines yeah, yeah. wasting your time, right? It's hey, you're still contributing versus the player who maybe does want to spend, you know, four hours a day or six hours a day. And they just have a lot of time they want to pour into this game. And I, I like the fact that you guys are giving the best of both worlds to each side of the game. And I think that makes a lot of sense. So talk to me a little bit about let's uh, jump to maybe more of the the finance side here. Uh, First, let's talk about the blockchain, because I'm interested to see more games now launch on Avalanche. And we had that interview last week. You you said you knew a little bit from uh, Jackson and and the Cinder team. They're also launching on Avalanche. So I haven't heard a ton of other games outside that and maybe Krobata. So what's the choice for for Avalanche? Is there an advantage to you guys? Did you just throw a dart and, you know, randomly (laughs) land on Avalanche as opposed to other blockchains? What was the decision there?
1: Yeah, yeah, we actually thought really carefully about uh which chain we build on. And then average really stand out, um, I think mainly because of the engagement that we see uh, in its community. Because uh has a really vibrant and uh project ecosystem. Like for example, we know basically know every project, uh whether that's a D D5 project or K five project average.
0: And uh we actually
1: have um, we um, formed a lot of partnership with them as well. So, uh, for example, we have a partnership with Trader Joe and Banky, which are um, the largest DeFi project I'm doing on their And just thinking about how we can integrate some uh, of these DeFi concepts into our game and so that we can grow the community together. We also going have a lot of uh, these community events once um, our alpha game is going to be coming out very soon. So, that's one of the main reasons. Uh, why we are close average. And then, um, the average foundation is that it's also very supportive of game five projects. because so they know that, um, the future, especially the consumer application of blockchain, um, definitely games are going to be playing a role. So, um, we are also very surprised about, um, the kind of quality of, of the game five projects building on average. Because if you look across uh, a lot of other chains, they are just, um, cause they, they have kind of like a, like a first hand advantage, uh, when a lot of the kind of crypto to earn games first start off on other chains. But I think in order to build a serious project that is going to be long and sustainable, we really believe that vision of Labs in terms of really having, um, like a game, game dedicated chain, putting a lot of resources on it.
0: So you're saying there's a ton of gaming projects already building on Avalanche, and perhaps I just haven't looked into it. So do you see it as progressing to be one of those top gaming blockchains? Because I think most people, when you talk about gaming blockchains, they would point to BNB or Polygon or Wax or things like that. And you know, Avalanche is starting to grow, but do you see it as being one of the top ones one day? Or maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe all blockchains are inter- interconnected one day anyways. How do you see these uh, blockchains playing out for gaming in the next maybe year to two years?
1: Yeah, yeah. We see that Average is uh, definitely going to be super competitive in being the one of the top uh, blockchain dedicated for the games uh, because we see that vision that, for example, a vision about subnets where um, every chain can um, have their own side chain and use uh, the tokens and the gas tokens. So um, this is actually going to be super helpful in terms of building a vibrant economy um, within the game. Because just think about all the potential that you can have by uh, having DAX and uh, having all the resources traded on the decks and um, the facilitating sort of peer-to-peer exchange of the resources. We just thought about like having like, a banking system inside a game where uh, whether that's resources or any type of other assets that the uh, players are looking for, as long as those are not NFTs then you can actually uh, borrow, land, buy or sell. Uh, from the so it's going to be a really cool concept. And then if you look across the stability of the blockchain, and think average really also really stands out. because So that I think in the longer term, uh, if you think about uh, bringing more players into um, the average game-class ecosystem, it's also going to be not as difficult compared to other chains, some of the other things about EVM compatible. But everything seems the compatible. So, so you kind of bring over the players from Because I think ultimately, what gamers are looking for is actually not a dedicated blockchain. Um, as long as they see that there is a quality project out there, this game is fun to play. They're not going to care whether that game is going to be on the NBA chain or Polygon or their branch. So that's why I think ultimately, it's really down to the quality of the game going on on the blockchain.
0: Yeah, I think when I look at blockchains, I think the thing that's most important to gamers, as you said, the game is good. It's safe because we've seen now a lot of hacks and other big name games. And, you know, that's a little bit scary, right? If you're looking at, well, I'm buying hundred dollars of NFTs or assets and this could be taken away from me. Right. And then third is those dang pesky gas fees. Right. Which it sounds like on Avalanche and especially with the subnets, they shouldn't be as high as some of these other blockchains. So that's a really cool advantage. And I hope that works out well for Imperium. So uh, how about uh, one of the things that struck me in your white paper, you guys wrote most gameFi projects fail to live up to the promises of the Fi part with limited DeFi use, except for simple staking, which was really interesting because I've more so lately heard of complaints on, hey, there's so much focus on the DeFi and games. The game part isn't just fun. So w- what is the philosophy behind that statement? How, how are you guys going to change that to, to add more fi to the ecosystem? And I'm curious, why should gamers care about this?
1: Yeah, I think uh, that's a really good question. So um, if you look from the perspective of what I call all, all the GameFi 1.0 projects, um, they basically um, just kind of like DeFi mining pool. So some of them, of course, they have some gameplay behind. But I think all of the underlying um, system of those games are very similar. Like you put down, like something like a down payment, buy an NFT like Each NFT is a few hundred dollars, and then they're going to promise you a return of investment in like 30 days, 60 days. And basically, if you think from the perspective of the AP, how it's going to be you know, more than 1000%, but how on earth is that going to be sustainable? So, I think, yeah, um, at the end of the day, um, that that's what, what I see the problem of all those old projects are. They, okay? whether they have uh, some of them, of course. They have a fully working game. Like you download like an 80k and then you get into the game. There are some energy system where you can just pay for 10 times every day. But ultimately, it's still a deep pool uh that, that you just put in some amount of capital and then you're getting a game token to return. But all those game tokens are hyper-inflationary. And so you basically, your, your return on investment is going to be long and longer because uh, the token price, there is no use of those tokens. Like, the supply is only available. So that definitely is not going to work. That's why I'm saying that a lot of game five projects are not really doing that in a proper way. I think what the true finance part is actually to um, use DeFi to a, a vibrant in-game economy. Because any virtual world um, that has a lot of features, in any game world, um, Actually, any, any sophisticated games out there, uh, it's going to have a very complicated economy. You need to think about how to keep all these game assets and um, game resources, uh, keep their inflation under control. So that's why there are a lot of aspects of that I can actually help with that, like trading of those resources, as I mentioned, and then um, having the players to play different roles in the game. So, like I mentioned before, some of the gamers be more focused on the mining side, and the players are more focused on the fighting side. But uh, the players, the competitive players, who want to fight with other players, they can't really fight without having those resources mined by the players. So, every player is going to take a different role. And then, um, like DeFi concepts like a deck, actually, could be really helpful for so facilitating training trading of the resources. Uh,
0: among um, different players and then. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I like what you're saying there. I'm curious, how does the team think about balancing those two types of audience and players? Because you might have some, uh, I've noticed, that are really here more for the gameplay and the ownership of, of NFTs. And so when they get into a game that even if it's fun for them, maybe has that big, you know, USD, here's like all your assets and in crypto and in, in value in this game. And it's just right in your face all the time. So now it's like that's what they're trying to tell you what to think about even though i'm just here for the entertainment side and then on the flip side you have players who are hey i'm really here to make an earning or to increase my asset value and so i do want to know and i do want to make sure that the game is you know heavy into the fi part of the game fi. so how do you try to think about balancing those two types of players because in some ways they can be connected in other ways they have different goals
1: yeah exactly because uh one of the ways that we're doing it is actually to um, really driving down the uh, like a floor price of uh, getting into the game. So you look across our marketplace, uh, we have our own energy marketplace. So the cheapest uh, spaceship that you can get is probably only $2, $3, uh, because we know that um, the entry barrier is uh, actually one of the biggest problems for a lot of uh, web 3 games, especially um, because I think the population of uh, crypto native gamers is actually so small compared to like uh, the kind of web two gamers. There are basically three billion gamers on earth. So it's um, any web three games progress. I mean, a lot of the web three games initially they focus very much on the crypto native population. But I think everyone kind of now realizes that. This market is probably not the biggest market that we should have in. So, in order to really care, we have to gain the Web2 gaming of operation, you just can't only have like NFTs that are selling for one or two E because the entry barrier, like no Web2 game is going to pay that cost uh, to get into the game. So That's why we want to drive down the entry barrier and make sure that uh, it is a game that everyone plays. Just like, you, you're just going to spend a few dollars, like a few dollars or like $10 to uh, buy a game on So, yeah, we, we, um, that's one of the solutions that we're thinking about. And, of course, um, for in order for our rewards, um, the rewards to be sustainable. We also thought sort of a way where the emission of our game tokens actually going to be dynamic. So um, whether that's our PC or game goals that's the compatible part or the kind of casual game of part uh, that we were built, um, the rewards actually going to be distributed on a seasonal basis uh, based on a fixed pool. So, say, for example, um, in season one, we have uh, four rewards like uh, 10,000 tokens, for example. Um, and then the reward of the next season is actually going to be based upon a certain amount of of all the reinvestment made by the players in the previous season. So, for example, out of those 10,000 tokens, Uh, The players actually put back uh, uh, 7,000 of them um, to upgrade their ships, and then uh, just put it back into the users. So in the next season, we actually apply a multiplier, uh, which is going to decrease over time. Maybe for season two or three, the multiplier is going to be three or uh, four. We want um, because I think that pay to other reward itself. Is actually a go-to-market strategy that for you to, for any game project, to attract the initial player base. And as time goes by, um, more players coming to our game, they're having fun with the game, will actually uh, decrease the multiplier buy over time. So maybe when it comes to season 10 or season 15, um, the amount that we're giving out as a total pool, it's going to be exactly the same as the investment made of the players in the so it's going to balance out, it's not to be um, unlimited emissions anymore. Because I think um, for any play-to-earn game with a highly inflationary economic model, it only going to benefit the players who are entering the game early. And whether those players are really players are going to be enjoying the game, probably that's not, not the case. So they're actually attracting the wrong target audience. Uh, they're attracting the more the new farm rather than the real gamers so who're gonna be enjoying the game. And when the game gets popular, uh that the gamers don't say, oh, there is this game that I to try. The told price that already paying 99%. So no one's gonna really care about it. everyone think that the project is a scam and all these things. So we wanna avoid that. So um that's why we're very upfront in saying that it's not gonna be like those projects that are going to promise like 1,000 APR because and it's not the kind of model that
0: will work. With. Yeah, we've seen a lot of games already and just in the last year or so, just pump up like crazy and then completely crash because of those types of gimmicks and from what I'm hearing from you it sounds like you guys are way more focused on the long term I mean I'm hearing hey here's what we're planning for 10 to 15 years down the road which most games I'm hearing like okay maybe five at most is here's our token schedule for the next five years and if we survive that long we'll figure it out so I like that you guys are already thinking hey how do we actually you know survive for the real complete long haul a decade or more and you know that's that's very hard to do as a game in general, so is that what's the strategy there behind that? Is it simply hey, for a play to earn game to survive, it just needs to be fun and people will keep playing, whether it's bear or bull market? Is it that simple or is there more to it that you guys have thought through?
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, that's why, uh, when you think about what kind of genre of game we should build, we actually set to a point building an MMO game because you can see that a lot of the games that survive more than 10 years, 20 years, they actually. Our uh, MMO games. say, so, for example, part of our game is already with small than a game called Eve Online. The so Eve Online is actually released back in two thousand three, and eighteen years from now, baby, really, I think they still have, um, uh, they still have a very active player base. So I think that DAU is still maybe around twenty k or thirty k. Um, so yeah, we just think that um, because the reason why MMO games can have a much longer qualified cycles because uh, especially guilds really resonate with MMO games. And as long as there are guilds and teams out there, you can see that these guild members are building personal connections with one another. So they actually, a lot of the guilds that is being online, they actually have these uh, meetups in person. So they actually know each other very well. So whenever there are just people uh, Playing the game, they just call upon their friends. They play with them together, and I think um, having those NFTs in games where uh, people really uh, grind for it and having an ownership for the game asset is also going to lengthen the product life cycle of any, of any game because um, they know that uh, they put in the time and they, they know that uh, whether they that they won their NFT asset, their PJ value or, or yeah, for any other reason, they was just uh, for more people to play the game with them together. So I think the genre itself, as well as um, having NFTs in games, actually going to make that uh, prototype title or, or game-out.
0: Yeah, the social part of games is you know vastly important. I mean, I don't know if you've had this experience, but there's many times where I've tried to quit League of Legends because it's just such a toxic game for my health and I keep getting sucked back in because every time one of my friends says, hey, you know, we need a fifth person, do you just want to jump in for a little bit, right? And then it's like, all of a sudden, I'm back into the game that I thought I'd quit. I don't know, have you had that experience before? Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Because um, I used to be a pretty hardcore out-of-game game. i like, probably spend thousands of hours on games like Age of Empires. When we're, the really the fun part really comes to teaming up with your friend, and you know that which friend is good at what aspect, so every time we play a game, you're yeah. gonna look in a few people and then build a team. So that is exactly the most fun part. Because for any single player game or like uh, many of the one versus one uh, the PvP game, you actually you don't know if, uh, who's on the other side. Like you don't have this personal connection with all these people. So, whenever uh, it's very likely that you just spend maybe a few months playing the game, and after that, you see that all oh, the cooler games come out, then immediately you better jump to play the other game because you don't have any um, emotional attachment to those games without having your friends and all the social aspects. Of it.
0: Yeah, and that part is very important. So, I'm curious. How is the team thinking about that already? Is there going to be things like in game chat or voice chat? Or, you know, one day is, are we going to be playing Imperium Empires in VR and maybe seeing each other? Uh, what are some plans <laughs> yeah, you guys have?
1: That's very interesting. Yeah, we're we going to have uh, in game chat with some uh, third party integration. Um, and then, of course, uh, there are also very, um, very, very sophisticated um, tools out there that we can already do the integration. And then, yeah, for so the future, anything can happen. You can do it uh, as a full as well. But of course, uh, VR, AR-wise, it's, uh, it's something interesting to explore. It's just that the part of the market is it's not very mature yet. The, the same from the perspective of um, the hardware. Because I, I actually have been a VR player for more than three years, actually. Uh, have uh, a few Oculus as well, but um, I really know that the challenges, is if you look at the player rates, the, the, like how many, maybe 2% or 3% of Steam players actually own a VR headset, so that's actually a very niche market. So at the moment, we're not really thinking about to that, um, because all the resources required doesn't really justify that, but I think that in the future, it shows very well for a space hardware as well. So as long as uh, there are any signs of pick-up in terms of the hardware and installation base, you know, can we'll definitely think about it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think it's still pretty an underdeveloped technology. But hey, one day it'd be really fun if, you know, I can play Imperium Empires with my VR headset and I feel like I'm actually flying the spaceship. I think that would be... Really cool, but you know, obviously that, yeah. that's way down in the future. So let's talk. Let's jump yeah. back a little bit more to the now. Uh, I just want to give you a chance here. Tell me a little bit about the team behind it. I, I love that you guys are sharing this vision of, hey, we want to be a long-term game. We want to bring the social aspect to the MMO, a sustainable economy, all these great things. But who's the team behind this that's going to make that happen? Tell us a little bit about uh, the team's experience and, and how you guys are working together.
1: So. We actually have a very experienced game development team. So uh game development team uh used to be uh lead developers in any Crossing, kind of brands, uh which is one of the largest blockchain game company out there. Um and each of them actually have over 15 to 20 years of experience. So they develop um twenty, thirty games before uh having a really large uh base. I think over 20 million downloads for all the games that they have. Um, and so that's our game development team. And in terms of the, um, uh, product management style, product manager actually used to work 10 cents. Uh, so that, of course, is the last gaming company on earth. And, um, he used to be, um, and kind of doing these go-to-market strategies with so very popular of, like, like, of fashion that you mentioned before in China. So we have a team that have a lot of, um, Experience in building real games. And all of them, the best part is that all of them are very interested in Web3 games. Uh, because having developed games for such a long time, um, all of them realize the problem with the traditional game development model um, it's actually the Web3 model not only benefits the players, but also the developers. Because it's seen from the perspective of how traditional games. Uh, development and publishing work, you basically have to spend huge resources and money, uh, like maybe two to three years to develop a quality game without knowing whether the game is gonna succeed or not. And um, throughout that process, like uh, you spend all the time and resources and after that you build out you, you build out the game, you um actually a lot of rentals don't really go to the game but They really go to these uh, publishing platform like Steam or App Store is giving you like 30% of the revenue. And then the like, uh, minus 30% is also taken by the game publisher, who's going to be helping deal with the marketing and those market strategy. So a lot of these models really are similar to how the movie business works. That's why um, you can see that a lot of the popular titles that uh, are able to earn a huge amount of revenue right, actually come from the like Triple studios, like EAI, is because they uh, they can integrate everything themselves. Like um, they can do the game development, publishing themselves. So they also have their own platform, so they, they don't have to hear about all these fees. They can buy these other middlemen. So that's why uh, Web three uh, itself being decentralized, well, it's also really helping to solve this problem, by taking away all these fees. So yeah, this is something that. Um, development team also
0: solid for me yeah, that's really interesting because mostly you know I'm a gamer, so I'm coming things up from the gamer perspective. I'm not a you know developer, I haven't been on any gaming team, but from what you're saying, it almost sounds like that this potential new technology with nFTs and blockchain is allowing for more games to be a bit more indie and share more of the revenue instead of these large, massive companies. Is that kind of what you're getting at there? Yeah, mm-hmm. because if you, you
1: think about like uh, if every game that we do, we can save all these costs uh, that are uh, kind of taken away by the game publisher and the game publishing capital, like 60%, 70% we can actually return all these value back to the players. So I think that actually is a true play and earn revenue model is going to work. Like it's not going to be emitting a unlimited amount of tokens and then doing a policy scheme that. that, that, that uh, it's getting early It's benefit the early early end, the early players who get into the game. But uh kinda of sharing the game revenue uh with all the players in the long term. So they are no longer taken away by, by all these uh middlemen who are really not connected to the game itself. Because all the revenue taken away by the middlemen. Uh it's not the benefit of the players. It's gonna, gonna be benefiting uh the income, system, the middlemen themselves. So that's why I think that's the magic of on Web3 games. It's game. actually, um, you have a better way that like you manage your own community, you grow your own community, and you share all the uh, revenue that you can save um, with all these little money, just share it back to the community. I think that that's, that's really powerful for, for games to be on Web3.
0: Yeah, well, thank you for sharing that, because I think that's a really interesting perspective that maybe a gamer wouldn't understand. And that's really exciting to think about, hey, we can all benefit from this in this new space. So I'm excited for this, as, as you, I'm sure, and your whole team is excited for this space. So lastly, as we wrap up, I want to just let you give give you a second here to brag about your game here, Imperial Empires. I know there's you know other interviews that we've been doing with MMOs. I know there's maybe some other space games here out in the blockchain world that's being developed and worked on. So, Imperial Empire, sell me on it right here, right now. What is it going to take to set this game apart from other games that are maybe have some similar aspects to it? What will Empire uh, do and bring to the table that might help you guys rise to the top? Yeah, I
1: think it's basically down to two things. So, one of course is uh, the team to earn social aspect that I mentioned before. Uh, it's going to be really fun to play the team up with friends and then try these play as well as one another. Um, I think that could be one of our key selling points. Another one is our kind of skill to earn or win to earn strategy, which makes the game much more sustainable in the long term because uh, every reward we're giving out is actually based upon the player's contribution to the game. Um, And we're carefully managing the emission schedules and all these things. So um, we are got to make sure that Every season, there's only going to be a fixed pool reward. And a fixed pool reward is actually going to go to the players who are most skillful and should be rewarded for their time and effort and money they put into the game. So I think these two things really differentiate us um, from many of the other content games out there. And of course, the quality itself, because uh, of the content that we produce, our original content, we have a huge hard team that are doing all these spaces and other NFTs. Um, so just um, by just owning these uh, assets, it's, it's just it's, uh, just fun to have these assets and see them in action uh, when you're playing the game with, with, with other people or friends. And of course, uh, we're also um, delivering very, like very developing um, according to the roadmap. So uh, we, as I mentioned before, we're going to have two game modes, one is uh, the one going to be on web or mobile. So it's going to come out very soon uh, at the end of June. Uh, so be sure to choose, check this out um, and follow our social. And then um, the other one, um, which is going to be the PC on build, field, going to come out in July. So that's going to be a really fun time for your competitive players looking to enjoy and so shooting down other, other players that's basically because that version can actually allow up to 20 people to uh, just try to fund everyone another in the same sector. So, yeah, just be sure to follow our, our socials our Twitter, just call and teach, and uh, just calculate some things from us.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to keeping track of you guys' progress as you guys go. I was going to ask you where can people follow along, but I think you already hit them all and shouted them all out. So uh, I encourage anyone that's interested in this project, go ahead and follow along in all those spaces that Cliff just mentioned. And Cliff, thank you again so much for your time. Let us know when the game can be played. We'd uh, love to do some gameplay testing here as well, and we'll keep going as uh, you guys go along. We'll keep covering you guys and other projects as well so thank you cliff for your time and we'll see you next time definitely
1: thanks thanks for having
0: me. thank you cliff so much for joining in this podcast and letting us know more about imperium empires if you enjoyed this episode then consider following along either at youtube or one of your podcast platforms to hear other interviews from top level nft games you can also go to balthazar's website at bltzr.gg to learn more about our research about these games our launchpad and our upcoming public token sale Gracias, salamat, and thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you over there at the next episode.